0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have front-row seats to all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, All right, everyone, welcome to episode 15 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast here at the Hockey Podcast Network. We've started the podcast, got Kyle laughing already. Kyle, welcome to the show, buddy. (laughs) What's up, folks? Hey, how are you? So, Kyle, before we talk about the really, really bad Oilers final to the Leafs series, how was your week, buddy?
2: Uh, Decent. It was... You know, nothing great, nothing bad. You know, just an average American work week. Nice. Hitting the grindstone hard.
1: I'll use grindstone as my transition then to talk about how the Oilers need to put their nose to the grindstone. Going into this last game versus Toronto, like we had said on almost three podcasts before, this series was a really big deal for the Oilers. It was a really important series. Um, We wanted them to take four points from it. Uh, Last podcast, they had taken zero of six. And now we can confidently and accurately tell you that they have indeed taken zero of six points versus the Maple Leafs. So before we talk about this game specifically, Kyle, what did you think about The series in a whole. What do you think the Oilers can learn from that? And like, how do you like? What how should they feel after going zero and three and scoring one goal versus the Leafs in three
2: games? Well, lets you know that you got to fix a couple things, right? I mean, it definitely lets you know that there's stuff going wrong. You know, maybe not even in general, but at least with just that team, you know, you have some some stuff that you got to handle. So I don't know if maybe it was because it was a big matchup. That you know they kind of just got shuck out of their uh, rhythm maybe, but I think that was a big series and they kind of helped. so I think Drysaddle put it best. No, no, we love we love going pointless three days.
1: Yeah, so we will talk about the Drysaddle comments after the game because I saw a couple different feelings either way about it. But let's talk about this one game here first. So it was a six-one loss. The Oilers scored one goal over three. The one goal they scored was actually on the Leafs starter, and then they were shut out by their backup and then third string. Chason was out of the game. Obviously, he was suspended one game for cross-checking Hyman in the head after the end of last game. Matthews was back in the lineup for the Leafs, so this was probably the stronger version of the Leafs that the Oilers all of a sudden are playing. We're playing their starter in net. Matthews is back in net, right? This is the, I wouldn't say maybe fully the full force Leafs, but we're getting closer. This is the closest to it we've seen in this third game. And again, the Oilers have a really good start. Nothing to show for it at all. Um, You know, they, I think they had some really great A chances on Anderson within the first five, 10 minutes. And. You know, I think everyone sort of picked up on that. Even the coach said like, you don't win the game in the first 10 minutes, you know, it takes the full 60 minute effort. And unfortunately, you know, they get that, that flurry at the beginning, the Leafs are able to hold the fort and then, you know, they score one. And then it just, it just felt like the ones that they were shooting at the net just kept going in, in this game. Really? Some of them, they weren't even, I wouldn't say super soft. I definitely maybe would have liked to have a save from Smith who by the way, was in for the whole game. Again, Tippett showing his his Smith his Smith hand a little bit. And the Oilers just never really had an answer. They absolutely smothered the neutral zone. They choked everyone. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, when either one of them had the puck, was being double teamed. They were like, there were sticks on pucks at all times. The Oilers got nothing going. And Tippett even put it as like, the Leafs just played a hungrier playoff style of three game series and i think that's a really good way to look at it like they played a playoff style and i think even like what we saw in the chicago play-ins series i think the oilers aren't in the mindset and none of them really have the experience for what playoff hockey is like Um, at least are starting to and i think they've in this last year brought on a lot of leadership that also just has been to the playoffs in general right and so now all of a sudden, you know, they click on into, okay, we got to play like a tight playoff style game. And I don't think the Oilers really have that gear yet. And they they lose 6-1. And now they've got to, you know, pull themselves up a little bit here because they were in a bit of a slide.
2: Right. I mean, there's a possibility here that, you know, there's an opportunity that you could just kind of chalk that up to, all right, shit series. Rough. But now we know we're going to have to turn it up and find that extra gear. You know, we're going to have to just get that. All right, that's it. We're going balls to the wall and whether it's first period or third period, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. You just gotta, you know, run the table on some of these games, which is exactly what the least are doing all three games. They played third line, unknown Russian names, were just banking guys in the corner. They were just going in hard with their nose just sniffing for blood. They were like, that's it. We're going to go. We're going to push hard and make shit happen. And they did. And I think that's something that is learned. And because the Leafs have that leadership that they added, you know, Jumbo, Spezza, you know, because they have these guys that understand that kind of hockey, I think they're, you know, the younger guys are getting a little more, all right, well, we should play like them. So I think it might be a bit of inexperience with that level of hockey that, you know I mean? That style at least, but if they can find it and click it on, they should be all right. Yeah. And
1: it looked even in this last game, like once the Oilers, I'd say even after they scored the goal to go up for one, like they just wanted out of the series. They didn't want to play the Leafs anymore for a little bit. Like they wanted a break. The Oilers were, were done with them. They wanted, I like, not saying to completely forget the game, but they wanted to sort of rinse their hands of this one. They wanted to to sleep and play a team other than the Leafs for a little bit. Cause I think they were they were frustrated with them, right? And right. I, I think all the way down the lineup. I think McDavid was frustrated with them. And then we'll we'll talk about the dry sidle comments. He was not a happy boy. He no. was not
2: pleased at all. And very Anchored Sherman, Matt.
1: I don't mind when players get a little chippy. I didn't think he like was <laughs> overly mean or rude or anything like that. I just thought, you know, he just listen. His team had been shut out twice, lost three in a row, and against the same team. He was frustrated, and he gave a frustrated answer.
2: Well, and I think ask stupid questions gets stupid answers. It's it's you literally asked for that. You mean know, that that re- that reporter asked for that. You can't you can't chalk a question up like that. And there's a very obvious answer well are you disappointed yeah i'm disappointed dude are you kidding me what do you mean nope it's all right it's you know i had a great i had a great time losing three very important games thank you for asking me that so i'm a so, really
1: i'm a really good producer so do you want to hear the clips yeah yeah general what are your takeaways from this three game series i think it caught a lot of people by surprise and maybe even you guys just uh what are your thoughts on on the three
2: games it's just not good enough OK, uh, speaking of not good enough, your top players
0: didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys uh, really
2: didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain? No, we love that. We love going without a point in, in three days for sure. I love it. And it's just a it's just a, a, a sarcastic answer that is like. I mean, obviously, you know, these guys are frustrated, right? They just, that was their third loss in a row to the team they're trying to catch. You can't expect any other answer to that question. And not to mention, like, I'm a fan of the bad
1: transition, right? Oh, yeah. obviously, if you've you've listened to this, this single podcast, you could tell I'm the bad <laughs> of, the, of the bad transition. But like for a reporter to use the transition and speaking of not producing or not performing. Right. Yeah. Like, like speaking i it, of not good enough. Like, what? yeah, it just like it was that's a, a tough follow up. And I will say I so I follow the reporter, Ryan Rashog on Twitter. Um, I think he's I think he's actually one of the better Oilers reporters um that asked him because there are some boneheads in in some of the media availability and yeah. he tweeted afterwards he said he was a little bit frustrated because of how short the previous answer was right? right and then because of that he then followed up with a similarly frustrated answer but he said he would apologize to dry Seidel. but like it's good though i think it's that's really good like to see that that level of like they hate to lose. Like you can tell like dry side, right. especially dry side McDavid, right. They are the, they are the, the guys. So when yeah. they lose or they have a couple of bad games, right. And they feel that pressure, right. Like they, they hate to lose. So yeah. honestly, like I don't mind that from at all from dry like, and then we'll talk about his performance in the follow-up battle of Alberta. You know, I think he backed it up, man. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I love it. I love the little bit of the, the chippiness from him.
2: I think, I think attitude like that is, is something, I mean, obviously nobody likes losing, right? Like I, I've never met a single person in my life that likes to lose, right? Nobody, but there's a certain, if you have a certain disdain for losing, that's how you become an elite level athlete. you have to hate losing so much that you just kick it into a new level, which is what you often see from McDavid and Dryside. all this um, after he scored his 500 points. McDavid, he went score like pointless the next game, poof, five points. Right. There's just a level that you get you get so frustrated that you're you turn it on and boosters and then bam, everybody else is done. It's like super saiyan.
1: And I think a lot of people were expecting to see that in one of the Toronto games from McDavid or Draxidle.
2: Right. right.
1: And I think Toronto played every game so similar like their game plan never really changed. I don't think they really even had a dip in their play level versus the Oilers in the three game series, right? They just they played the same style of game. They checked really hard that when that sort of like we were saying that that pop after going scoreless for two games, right? right. We we expected that from them and so it didn't happen. Everyone was like well, what's going on, you know? And people got a little concerned. And I even said that in the last episode, what the Oilers might really need if they lose all three games to the Leafs, which they did, is the follow-up, the turnaround, Battle of Alberta. Because no matter where you are in the standings, right? The Oilers and Flames have been just shit for years. But (laughs) anytime they would play each other, you get up for those games. So it doesn't matter where you are in the standings, you're going to play hard in those games. So I think... That might be what exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, Smith stays in for this one. Shaysan comes off of suspension and back into the lineup. I guess I don't have an issue with Smith, really. I just don't know why we don't play Koskinen so much. And I know well, he played a lot early in the season, but I just, I don't, because I don't feel like Smith is super hot anymore.
2: Well, especially you lose 6-1, and, you know, like you said, it wasn't like they were all muffins, but there was definitely a couple where I was like, oh, I mean, you know, you could, you could have like tried to make the save a little, you know, a little harder. And so I think, I think you get worked six to one as long as it's not like a starter, like not, as long, if it's not a, a pure starter backup goaltender situation, you know. They're more of a tandem. You can kind of play them interchangeably, right? I think you get worked 6-1. You don't play the next game. That's just, you know what I mean? In, in my mind, at least.
1: Yeah, so I didn't I didn't really understand that decision, but it happens. So Smith is in net for the Battle of Alberta. A little bit different inverse to the way that the Toronto games get went. I would say the Flames actually came out a lot harder than the Oilers did in the first. The Oilers had one really good chance right off the hop of the game, and then after that, it was really just the Flames all the first period. The Flames would take a 1-0 goal on a power play goal from Johnny Gaudreau, and then they would finish the first period out shooting the Oilers 21-10 to 10 at the end of the first period. I wouldn't say that was because they were just absolutely running the Oilers show for the whole first period. I'd say a lot of those shots were from the outside, but they definitely yeah. were getting the... Obviously, the vast majority of the chances they were controlling the play for a lot more. And I'd say the Oilers looked a little flat coming this one and down one nothing, a little nervous going into the second. Second period starts. It's a much better second period. The Oilers are able to work their way into it a little bit more. Um, They have some dangerous power plays that they aren't able to convert on, but they're able to kill off some of the flames. And then late in the second period. Jesse Puljujarvi is able to score his seventh of the season. That is his seventh goal in 14 games. Uh, the Flames would regain the lead in the third period, oh, just a little over a minute into the third period. And that gave the Oilers a little bit of spark. And then, like we said, we've been waiting for the Connor McDavid pop. And one of the big things going into this game is that Tippett, obviously looking for some sort of pop from really anyone, after that, those three games versus Toronto, it has been flipping lines around a little bit. And he decided to un- reunite McDavid and Dreisaitl. And the lucky winger to draw in the assignment for that god line was Kayler Yamamoto on that line. And then in the third period, it just became that line's show. They both popped off at the same moment. And McDavid has a goal, two assists, sidle, a couple assists, Yamamoto a couple of points. And the Oilers win three to two in regulation, come from behind, come from behind twice. They were able to rally, tie the game and then take the lead. They had some really, really huge penalty kills in the late of the third period to hold the lead. Smith played well. I think he was really sharp. I don't think there were a ton of like super high quality chances, but I'd say the, the few chances he did face, he stopped, which is what you need um, and what the Oilers were lacking in a few of those games. And the Oilers are able to hold on to a really tightly fought game. Uh, this was a really chippy game as well. If only you had called it. Nurse and Lucic got the festivities started, and that was a hell of a bout.
2: I had called it earlier in the, uh, earlier in the season. I had suspected, speculated that that was going to be it. That was going to be the one to go. You said if Cassian's not in the lineup, you said you thought the
1: only one that could fight Luch is Nurse, and that was a good tilt that it was a good tilt too i mean i was I nervous mean, for them... uh, i was nervous for nurse there's not a lot of oh, times dude. where nurse gets in a fight
2: and i'm nervous for him that was that's when i'm nervous for him well so i think if you look at the fight like if you watch the fight nurse is kind of street fighting style i would say like like you can tell lucic has done this a lot you you look and Luchic is rigid as hell he is stuck with his one hand on the far shoulder. He is ready to rock and roll. Where Nurse is kind of like, well, I got it, but like I just kind of want to swing, man. You know? So I, it was a good, it was a good tilt, but Luci is uh, the seasoned fighter that
1: can oh, yeah. that, that sits there and he's got like the little bit of boxing. Whereas right. Nurse, I think, is just
2: the barbarian. He's just trying yeah. to go, ah, and just bash the guy's face in. Yeah. There's not many guys that can really stand toe to toe with Lucic for that long. So, honestly, I give him props. As much as I think Lucic is a scumbag, he is good at what he does. So, and I always think it's funny too,
1: because you got to remember, right? These guys are teammates for almost five years and you could you could tell after the fight ended they they both gave each other some paths and stuff like that yeah yeah there was some mutual respect there whereas on the flip side and a little lightweight fight happened here as well and i think it's always funny because in the battle of alberta's where there there are fights because there weren't in the first couple um the battle of alberta's where there are fights there's always a couple couple people that jump out of nowhere i know last year like monahan and nugent hopkins fought and that was really exciting because you didn't expect that one Kachuk got in a fight in this one. We sort of expected that. But unlikely partner, the real deal, James Neal getting in there. And you could tell this was a little bit less of a spirited fight. They Neal definitely doesn't do it as much. But I think Neal, who was also a teammate of Kachuk, I don't know. He just didn't seem
2: as pleased with Kachuk as Nurse and Lucic did at the end with each other. Yeah, it, I think it was kind of more of a – it was kind of like they were going after it. and well, they both and they were like fought. at the bench, looked at each other, and just went, all right. And then, yeah, yeah exactly. It was, it was kind of one of those things like, all right, we'll go. And then they started going and, and, and I think Neil was done a long time before Chuck was done. Yeah. I think you know, Neil,
1: I, Neil showed his age there after a couple yeah. of punches. He, he realized he was like, Oh, that was a little, that's, that's a little, I'm a little tired. Yeah. He's, yeah
2: okay. Uh, I'm, I'm done here, kid. No, no, you shouldn't have stopped. No, please stop.
1: <laughs> but the Oilers, with a strong game, it, it was a fun game to watch, especially with those two fights in the first period. Um, I love watching Pugliarvi score. Uh, I think that's just an absolute blast. And the Oilers are able to get themselves out of a streak. I think, that, like I said, just what the doctor ordered with a strong battle of Alberta win. So hopefully the Oilers were able to turn it around. And then on the flip side, the Leafs have lost two in a row to Vancouver. I, I just don't understand what this north division is
2: yeah it's kind of weird you know especially after coming off of three hot wins like that you'd think they would have like just walked over vancouver like no problem but maybe that's part of the problem is like up, oh, we're gonna win and then you know because I, I know whenever i was playing sports you know like actual competitive sports that meant something i would be you know we'd go into it going up well this is the worst team in the league or they're, you know, way worse than we are. And then they'd be in it the whole game because everybody on the team was prepared for nothing, you know, whereas, you know, you play, I don't know, the best team in the league or whatever, you're ready for everything. So I think that might've happened, you know, they were prepared to play the second place Oilers and we're ready for McDavid and Dreisaitl to show up. So they they came fully prepared, but then they go to play the, the Canucks and they're like, "Man, eh, we don't have to worry about this." <laughs> and then they lose. So I think it's I think it's just kind of happens sometimes in uh, in sports.
1: And so getting you know. getting back looking back at the Oilers and Flames games, though, how does how should the Oilers be feeling now moving into this coming week? We're gonna talk about we've got one upcoming game here, and we're gonna talk about it. But they obviously are coming off this three game losing streak. They broke it with a strong performance and some and a comeback performance versus the Flames, right? Like, what kind of mindset do you think the Oilers are in right now? Because before the Leaf series, they were the hottest team in the NHL. They were flying high. I think the Leaf series really brought them back down to earth. So, h- how should they be feeling? Like, what should they? How should they be be, be feeling about themselves right now?
2: You gotta shake that Leaf series off. You know, I think you just gotta kind of say, "All right, well, that really sucked," but they'll learn from it. And then they ride this, that good Battle of Alberta game into, a, into another hot streak maybe, you know. So I think they could show up and tear it up like they were before. They just have to kick back into a gear, you know. And I think they lost it a little bit in the leaf series, but I think if they just kind of put it behind them and say, water under the bridge for now, but let's go get more. And then they get more wins and that's how that works.
1: And I I kind of felt I kind of felt bad for the Flames, too. And that's probably the only time I will ever say that phrase ever, because looking at it, McDavid has never gone four games without a point. And if you look normally, like you said, he goes without a he goes without a point. He blows up. He he goes wild. And it just I feel like it's always the Flames that are in that. Oh, McDavid's been struggling. Now they got to play Calgary. (laughs) And then he just, he goes nuclear on them. Like, it's unfortunate. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. But looking forward to other teams that are going to have to deal with McDavid and Dreisaitl. We've got one game between episodes here because the other game is going to be on the Wednesday night when we will be recording next episode. So we'll just be talking about the one. However, the prediction scores from last week didn't change too much uh we both missed on the leafs we both predicted the win no points yet again that that was a tough series for the oilers it was a tough series for us yeah however we both went in together on a 4-1 win versus the flames and we're both gonna walk away with one single point here uh however Mm -hmm. i'm still in the lead at 13 to 12 your chance though to potentially overtake me is now we've got the Ottawa Senators coming up here on Monday. The Oilers are currently a perfect 4-0 versus the Senators, who sit at a season record of 8-17-1 on the season. The Oilers have had some really strong games versus them. I mean, they blew them out a couple games. They have been playing better as of late. What do you expect from the Ottawa Senators, we were just saying you can't take the bottom teams low I think lightly. The, or, yeah. lightly at all. The Oilers are four and zero against them, so I don't I don't think the Oilers should even think about the other four games that they have already beat them. So, uh, what what do you expect from from the Senators and what should the Oilers uh, do to potentially beat them?
2: I mean, uh, the Sens have been playing you know a little better as of late. You know they're kind of prepared. They know that they've lost four against the Oilers. I think they're coming in looking at them like. They're the big dog, so they're prepared for an, a hot team. I think you said it best, but Oilers should not even think about the other four games just because that will get you in a mindset of, ah, we're just going to walk in here, score a couple goals, go home. That's not how it's going to happen. It's just – it's not. So, I think it has the potential to be a, a very good game um, just because I think the Senators are going to come out expecting – good things from the Oilers. So I think they're going to come out hot and and make it a good game. I'm going to go. Oilers get caught early, figure it out in the end. I'm going to say three, two overtime wins.
1: All righty. Ottawa walking away with a point there. Interesting. Interesting. Ottawa's got no chance. Five, one win boys. Roll (laughs) it baby. It's a good thing. I'm not playing. Exactly. (laughs) All righty, well, the Oilers have two games versus Ottawa. They've got the one on Monday, then they've got one on Wednesday night. We're going to talk about the one on Wednesday night next episode. We, however, are going to take a break, and when we come back, we have a lot of NHL news to talk about all of a sudden. He's
0: my brother,
2: Mike. He's my brother, Matt.
0: And we are the Brothers of Discussion, hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a hope. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy placidity and perspective to one of the roughest eras in red wing
1: history Ah, we honor the past find the positives in the present i swear they're there and paint the picture of what's to come in the winged wheels future paul woods here on the radio broadcast your detroit red wings and i'm gonna play games like who's that come on where matt
0: has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for jeff flash and we got to figure out who that red wing (laughs) is every episode we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Eiserman and play Be the GM, finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze, some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave and Greg Washinsky and Ryan Lambert.
1: Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to Podcasts.
0: And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion.
1: All righty, and we are back. All right, so we are going to go around the NHL now with some NHL news. Kyle, we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, We've got some suspensions. We've got, unfortunately, some lots of bad news. And then we've got our play of the week. We'll end with our play of the week just to to keep things happy. Uh, However, I think we should get the bad news out of the way first. I think first... Um, unfortunately, Walter Gretzky, the father of Wayne Gretzky, passed away this week. I I don't have anything about Walter Gretzky personally. He was the father of the greatest hockey player to ever live, in my opinion. Right. But I think I think what makes everyone sad about that more is just because everyone can, or maybe not everyone, but for the most part, everyone can relate to that. You know, that hockey dad. You know, yeah. he taught you to skate. He took you to the games, that sort of stuff. You know, he taught you how to shoot. He'd play stick with you in, in the backyard type thing. And I think that that's what makes it more sad, just because everyone can relate and they they can, everyone has that
2: memory. It's, it's very sad. Our yeah. our th- our, mm. th-
1: our thoughts thoughts go out to
2: the Gretzky family. You know what makes what makes that one tough. Everybody in the community liked him. You know, I haven't heard a bad word about him, and all and all the things that are going on. You know. I heard plenty of people talking about their memories of him and, and how, you know, you were talking about the coveted hockey dad, you know, he's doing extra stuff. Well, not only was he Wayne's dad, but it seemed to be that he was everybody else's version of that around uh, the local rink and wherever else he, he he was at. I think it's good to you know have one of those guys and, but to see him go is, is, is sad. So, so if, if, if you need a,
1: a reason to, you know, say thank you to your dad, give your dad a hug, call your dad, think about your dad, you should do that now. Uh, some other news, Brent Seabrook is retiring from the Chicago Blackhawks after a long and storied career. He had over a 1,000 games, 1,114 games played every single one of them for the Chicago Blackhawks. He is a three-time Stanley Cup champion and one-time Olympic gold medalist. I was about to tell you all of his like goals, assists, and points, but I think all that dwarfs in comparison to the other three, the other four I just listed there. Incredible career, one of the best. So sad to see him out of the game as well. I don't know who I'm going to have on the back end
2: on my hut teams anymore. Well, you know, I think it sucks, too, because it's not like uh, it's not like he was rounding out his career and saying, all right, I'm done. He, you know, he got stuck with the uh, I think it's a problem with his hip. The injury bug. Yeah,
1: the injury bug.
2: And team doctors said, yeah, that's it. You're not playing competitive hockey anymore. And that that really sucks, you know, especially a guy of that caliber. You know, like you said, three times Stanley Cup champion, you know, Olympic gold medalist. Those guys are Hard to come by. Come, There's not many yeah, of those you people. You don't come across. You don't come across too many people that have that that stat sheet. So, uh, yeah, sucks for him.
1: Hell of a career, though. Certainly. Tom Wilson was suspended seven games. Can I get a show of hand? Who was surprised by that? Anyone? Anyone? No one? No one? Uh, oh, wow! He was suspended seven games for a check to the head. Raised hands for anyone surprised by that. Anyone? Anyone? No! Look at that. It was a pretty gnarly one, too. I'm surprised they only gave him seven, considering his rap sheet already.
2: Right. I mean, it's Tom, so we knew something was coming. he has been awfully quiet lately, honestly. He's been scoring um, a lot more goals, I think, than penalty yeah, as of recently. I know. It, which is... Just a wild turnaround for him. I think anytime you see a seven-game sussy, that's wild. You know what I mean? Seven games is a it's a hefty amount for something that happened on the ice. You know what I mean? So I think that you know there's some guys like um what was that guy from uh what's that guy from the Kings? You know who I'm talking about? The, uh, no. Yeah, Voinov? Voinov. I think this is the second yeah. time we've talked about this guy. <laughs> yeah. He caught like a fat suspension for all the stuff that he did, and then nobody would ever nobody picked him up again because why would you pick up a guy like that? But still, I mean, for something that happened on the ice, it was definitely high, and he was in a very vulnerable position when he when he got hit. And he was he, he is very
1: Carlo, the guy he hit, is very yeah. injured on the play. Oh yeah, you see it. I mean, he goes he's, down. He's the out daily. for a little I, bit. I think they've released. I, it. He's guy, out. He's out for a couple of weeks now.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, as a guy with a that I personally have had a few concussions, they're not fun, and you you pretty much know right away, and you can see it. You can see it in the video too. He gets hit, and he bounces off the wall, and immediately the stick goes down, the hands go right up to the head, and he is on the ice. Yeah, he's right? just, I mean, it, his bell is just, rung. He's just ringing. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, oof, you no. Know? Yeah.
1: And the se- seven games, the thing is, is, like, the suspensions are starting to get a little, they're, right, they tick up higher and higher as you start to get more and more of a rap sheet. Right. Seven games. I gotta, you gotta think the next one that's, like, particularly bad is gonna be, like, a 15, 20, right? Depending on how bad it is. Like, yeah. se- seven games,
2: like, that. that's, like, that's the, this is the last small one. Well, and you gotta think about it, too. I mean, this season, at least, seven games is... Seven games in a normal season because you play way less you know Mm -hmm. there's only it's only 56 game season so i mean obviously that's the correct suspension for you know i'm not surprised to see him get that i'm just saying seven games means a lot more this season than it has in any other season because there's way less games so if he's not injured he's only got 49 games to play
1: the whole season right
2: now exactly you know if you think about it it's close to half of, of a normal season so you you just got shorted by a lot. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how, how much that really weighs on his uh, personality there.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see if he we'll see if he learns from his ways uh, next time when he comes back. Last piece of news though, and I'd say it's probably the biggest piece of news, biggest hockey news, I guess from this week the Calgary Flames fire their head coach and I know Calgary Flames fans have been screaming for the firing of Jeff Ward forever um, a lot of people were frustrated with you know the way that Sam Bennett's been used and just the way the team's performing obviously they have not been doing as well as they would have hoped this season um, a lot of people are also pretty frustrated with the Calgary core and that sort of stuff so the, obviously the first sign of changes and shakeups coming to the team is, you know, the coaches start to carousel a little bit. And I think we're starting to see that in Calgary here. They did hire Daryl Sutter, who is still, you know, he's got to make his way through COVID protocol. So he won't actually be coaching them for a little bit. Uh, He wasn't even the coach in the last battle of Alberta. I believe it was Hunter Miska was the head coach in the battle of Alberta game that we just talked about. So the Flames do a little bit of a head coaching shakeup. They bring in a much more seasoned, much more storied head coach in Daryl Sutter. What do we expect? Do we think
2: it will help them? Should the Oilers be concerned? What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you know, add the guy like uh, add the guy like Sutter is gives you a lot of room to uh, make a change because a guy with that storied of a resume, I mean, He's been around a long time, coached a bunch of different teams. And he coached with the, the Kings. Flames. Yeah, I think he coached w- the Flames for a while, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yep, this uh, is his second time as the Flames head coach. I think some of your younger guys can learn from a coach like that. I mean, obviously the whole point is that your guys are learning from your coach anyway. But I think some of the younger guys can learn from that. And if it doesn't change, if there's not like a big – I, I wouldn't even say a big leap, but if there's not like a, a distinct change, if you don't see change after he's you know, behind the bench – for a little bit, I think maybe you look at some other parts of the team that might need a change. You know what so, I mean? Like so
1: that I think, I think, I think you're something. you're you're hitting on something there, right? Because teams like to, I think, before they are willing to maybe shake up a team's core that they like. And the Flames right. obviously have liked the Monahan, Gaudreau, the addition of Kachuk. You know right. that that core. They've they've liked that core. It hasn't been performing. They've gone through, obviously, the Bill Peters firing was a little bit different, but they went through Bill Peters. Jeff Ward came in. They started to play better. They haven't really performed. He's out. They brought in another coach. I think at this point, and like you were saying, it's Daryl Sutter. You know, he's a good coach. I don't think they expect the team to – I don't think they expect him to turn the team around entirely this season, though that would be awesome in, in their minds. And right. I think I think if they continue to sort of do what they're doing now, I, I think you're right. That core is gone. I think yeah. Monahan might be out. It might be Goudreau. It might be both of them. Um right. I don't think I don't think they get rid of Kachuk, but I definitely think like Jordano, someone, someone's out. Someone's gone if they, they keep this up.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, you can only go through so many bench bosses before it's like maybe it's not their fault. Uh I don't know. Yeah, I definitely understand that's a, I guess the head coach is a smaller change to make than half your core or your whole core of guys that you, you know, have liked for the last couple of years. So I think, you know, these guys are looking at this and they're hoping it works for them so that they don't have to shake the tree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll see how that goes.
1: So we're going to end our NHL news with our most requested segment. The play of the week. So, Kyle, I'll let you kick us off. What was
2: your play of the week? My play of the week: Team USA guy, Troy Terry. He was gross in this la- in the uh, in the last World Junior, or yeah, I think it was the last World Juniors. Maybe it was two years ago. Uh, it was it was a couple of years ago. He he potted like four goals in the shootout or something like that. He just kept going.
1: Gross. Regular old TJ
2: Oshi. Yeah, a, little, a, little, a miniature TJ Oshi, and then. Uh, it shows off just the filth hands. He's coming in. I don't remember who they're playing, but he's co- He comes in. They're playing the, the abs.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
2: How can Pum- you forget those the, the, gorgeous Nordiques jerseys? The, I love them. I think those jerseys are beautiful. They, they are gorgeous. I oh, yeah. No sarcasm. They were, no, I, I think they're sexy that, as hell. Yeah. There's something about the all white Pops, but I digress. Troy Terry catches the puck, sick toe drag to go by the defender. Just him and the goalie on, like, honestly, kind of a weird angle and just shakes the goalie right out of his socks to put the goal in. A very fancy display of hands moves. All hands team. Troy Terry.
1: I almost gave my play of the week to a fellow Anaheim Duck, uh, Trevor Zegres, for almost having a mission game goal. He was so close to having a lacrosse goal. You hit a lacrosse goal. I'm just going to say this right now. If a lacrosse goal happens in the NHL, it's going to be on the play of the week. Oh yeah. Right. So he didn't honorable mention, but I think my play of the week has to go to potential goal of the year candidate. Oh yeah. Matt Barzell comes streaking in beats the defender strong on the puck, very McDavid esque with the speed and you just, the way he beats him. And then once he's in alone, on i believe it's hutton in net for the sabers he goes between the legs almost falling over and then in the net it was incredible because we've seen a couple between the legs goals they're becoming a lot more common right i think the, the between the legs goals is is becoming common and where before that was really uncommon that between the legs goal was like the michigan goal of of now right the between the legs goal goes in it was like oh he went between the legs he went between the legs so we're starting to see it a lot more but the speed in which he did it and not the speed in which he actually pulled it off but the speed in which he was like the puck's there the only way I can put this puck into the net because Hutton's coming across with me is putting it between my legs and now it's between my legs and in the net is just it's all world it's all world and yet again I just think that the Oilers could have had Barzell on the same team with
2: McDavid. So I think that goal is like, I think that move is a beautiful finish to a, to a great hustle play. I mean, he is tooling down the end and he's got the, the D-man coming up to him and the D-man pushes him off and he just kind of bumps out a little bit and digs in a little harder and just goes straight to the front of the net. And like you said, but, betwixt the legs. Wow. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss.
1: All right, Kyle, you got anything else to add?
2: Wish me luck at my beer league game guys. I, uh, I'm going to go play now.
1: All righty, everyone. Well, we can't have Kyle late to the game. Who else is going to bring the after game brewskis and we are going to wrap this one up. Thank you very much for listening to episode 15 of the rig rats podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. That's going to be at the rig underscore rats on Twitter. Follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter as well for up-to-date information on all the contests, giveaway, and other cool content that we put out. That's going to be at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. And be sure to like, subscribe, and follow this podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. Yes, stop what you're doing. Pause this podcast. Go leave a review. Like it. Subscribe. All right? It helps out a great deal. Thank you very much for listening. And Kyle, I'll talk
0: to you in the next episode. Second, Let's go oil.